Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prep Talk podcast. Um, today, hosted by myself, and then I have a very special guest, Nick Spizak. This is a new segment we'll be doing called Nights with Nick. Um, so basically, it is kind of saddled around along with the sets with Steven. We've got you know really really strong folks that are going to be coming in to um, you know share their perspective and share their strengths with our audience. Um, but we'll be hosting Nick tonight. Um, we'll do this weekly, hopefully. And um, we'll cover a bunch of topics that, you know, really cater to the folks that are building out their Amazon business along with that W-2. Um, so we'll talk about all those aspects and how we balance the chaos that life can be at times. Um, so, Nick, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, Nick's an excellent asset in the Amazon community, but thank you for, for coming over. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, I think that we, you know, get off from there. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks, Peter. Appreciate you having me on for uh, the first of hopefully many with Nights yep. with Nick. So uh, my name's Nick Spizak. Um, I have been a software engineer in the professional world for over a decade and started my reselling journey a long time ago. I'm an, I'm an OG eBay seller back in 1999. Yep. So that's, that's where the reselling journey kind of got started. Um, I started in uh, botting a couple of years ago, which was a good intersection between, you know, the resale world from the past, bringing that into the type of uh, work that we do today within the software space. And then as botting started to uh, hit really a tail end in terms of demand leaving out of the COVID era, um, jumped into Amazon in 2023. So that's that's basically my background. And over the last year, you know, just really diving into the Amazon world, spending a lot of time um, on the nights and weekends to, you know, perfect the craft or maybe not perfect the craft. We've only been doing it for a year, but, you know, learning the ropes of the craft. I think that's a better way of putting it. hundred percent. And so I also come from that software background. And so, like, I think that as we've gotten to know each other, there have been some like opportunities that we see. Um, you know, just this week, you tossed a pretty cool Chrome extension onto the timeline. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, you know, what, uh, you know, spurred that motivation and kind of the background? Yeah, sure. So a, a good segue between technology and the, and the business world, right? Anytime you try something new, you want to spend the first six months of something that you're engaged in just really learning whatever it is. Like in certain areas, like leaders will talk about their first six weeks on the job. They, they don't ask their employees any questions. They just observe and listen. And some of the best leaders will do that. And I try to take the six-week approach with that and actually extend that into a six-month approach with Amazon, just knowing how much more complicated it is um, for those aspects. So it was very difficult, I'll be honest. It was difficult at first to take that take the software side like, I'm not going to worry about this. We're not going to worry about UPC scrapers and thinking of all the different things learn the ropes, learn the fundamentals, um, and kind of figure it out from there. So now as we get into 2024, starting to plan, you know, what are those objectives? And my vision for myself and my family this year is we, we try to talk through, like, what do we want to accomplish this year? We started with our vision statement, really simple. Focus on one thing that you know and one thing to learn. So anything less than that, you're not really growing. You're just kind of staying stagnant. Anything more than that, you're getting pulled in too many directions. So you're not making any progress. So we took that as the approach to say, hey, our one thing to our one thing to know is going to be what what we was our thing to learn last year, which is the Amazon space. And our one thing to learn and grow from is 
apply the skill sets in technology and see if there's a flavor that we can put into it uh, within e-commerce. So that's a long-winded backstory of what the Chrome extension is about, is these are different things I saw on the nights of you know going through the different sites and being like, hey, what are these stock counts? Hey, there's different variations of the products and thought, hey, this might be a good idea to, to you know put it out into the community. I'm learning some new things around you know, what, what is a, a customer focused product look like? And it's a very small example, but the best way to learn these skill sets is by just taking raw action. Yep. A hundred percent. And then, um, I don't know if I did the, the Chrome extension justice. Do you want to speak a little bit to what it is, um, at a high level and, and share how that, you know, someone might find that valuable? Yep. So the Chrome extension right now, it has support for Coles and essentially what it does is it's going to go through and it's going to look in the source code on coals.com and on the web page that you're at, whichever page you're there, if you click on the button for get product, it's going to provide you some relevant information that's on there. So it's going to give you, if you're on a listing that has different colors and sizes, it's going to, it's going to list each of those different variations. Um, it's going to include the UPC and then any max quantity or order related limit. So a specific order, maybe, you know, there's a certain quantity there versus how many of are available in total stock. Now, it's very easy to roll out software where you're trying to try to make it perfect and do all your features up front. And, right. and this is actually something in the software world that we talk about not doing. You'll hear folks talk about minimal viable product or MVP. And I, I tend to like a, a variation of that, which is the minimal lovable product. Right. So viable product is usually you, you put, take it to market and it could be good. It might be crap. You, you, don't, <laughs> you don't know. So it's like, I, I like minimal uh, lovable because it's like, Hey, what's something that's that a customer or a community can actually get value from hundred percent. And I would be lying to you if I hadn't stolen your phrase and used that in my W2. Um, so, you know, we, every, every software company gets into that trap. Um, but you really do have to think about what people are going to enjoy and come back to you for more for. Um, and, you know, sometimes we focus on just delivering so fast and really not thinking about what that experience looks like. So I've definitely been feathering that in a little bit. Um, but really, uh, we'll, we'll absolutely throw like a link to the, you know, to that tweet and to all that information in our uh, bio in this episode. So if you want to check it out, feel free. Um, Nick's definitely a good follow there. So also drop him a follow. Um, but getting into more of the themes that we were looking to hit on, you know, supporting the folks out there that are, you know, working the nine to five, looking to make some extra cash. Um, you know, you see all of these younger kids that just go absolutely berserk. You know, they, they don't have the responsibilities. They don't have the mortgage, the kids. Um, so wanted to just make this kind of a place for them where they may be able to relate. And um, I think one of the biggest constraints is time management. Um, you're balancing a full workload to begin with. You already have those commitments, the family commitments. Um, what are some of the things that you've done to try and navigate that? Because it, it's a huge, it's a huge boulder that you know anyone that has the nine to five and looking to do another thing has to kind of get through. Yeah. So on the family side, my wife Janelle and I, and I have I have two girls, right, Landon and Blake. And so for us. 
both Janelle and I are former college athletes. So we kind of have a similar mentality that we're either not doing it or we're all in on it. That's kind of one of those items. So the first thing we, we kind of talked about what before we did coaching uh, in February of last year was, Hey, are, are we doing this? Like just straight to the point, are we doing this? And we both agreed it was a good decision for the family, knowing that if the answer to that question was yes, then it, it, it's all in. So from a time management perspective, like it was at first, like we had to go through and figure out what, what does that look like? Um, I would spend some nights going to one, two o'clock in the morning and we quickly realized that that's not a sustainable model. So putting some guardrails, every family situation is going to be slightly different around time commitments and what they can do. So what worked for us was a four hour flex window. So 8 p.m. to midnight is my time to do the moonlighting of the entrepreneurial journey. And for Janelle, it, for my wife, Janelle, it's, it's, you know, being able to take on a lot of that extra burden on the family side. And, and that's a huge piece of it. If, if you don't have those conversations ahead of time, it might be a little bit difficult um, as you go. A hundred percent. I, so you, you talked to me maybe a week or two ago and you're like, Hey, we had to sit down. We wrote out our goals. I actually, I stole that from you and was like, I should do the same thing. Um, now I don't think that my, 2024 is going to be as intense outside of like, you know, the hours that we would normally, you know, work Um, just because I'm going to be adopting a little bit more wholesale, implementing some of the, you know, the virtual talent to assist with some of the back end. But having that conversation and just being very clear with what your intentions are is a game changer, I think. Um, So then you're five months down the line in a relationship and expectations were very clear from the onset. Um, and so it, it just, it makes everything go a little bit smoother. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'm thankful that you mentioned it because I probably wouldn't have thought about it. Um, so, um, you know, really appreciate that. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll cut there as I figure out how we're gonna transition this. Uh, do you want uh, me to throw some questions? Because I, I was had that in my head. I was almost thinking like, well, talk me a little bit about through some like what you're thinking family wise of some of those goals. It's, it's so it's up to however we want to do this. If we want it to be two way dialogue, if we want to go from the script. It could be two way. I think I think it's better two way. So if you if you have a question for me, then we'll just roll. Um, and then what after we get that, what I'll do is I'll try and transition it into like how has leveraging virtual talent like helped you? with your limited time is that, okay. that's what'll be at the next one. Yeah. So I'll, if, you I'll wanna... teach you, if there's like a natural, you know, yeah. breath, like pause there, that'll be a cue yep. for me. If I have something there that it's like, yep. it's, it's, yeah, it's, I got to learn how to do the like multi, like reading off our script. Cause normally I'd have max here to like pick up stuff as I'm writing notes. So multitask we're learning <laughs> on the fly, but I'll turn it over to you. All right. So Pete, tell me a little bit about, so we talked a little bit about your business side, right? Walk me through some of the family goals. Cause I think that's a super important aspect as we start to transition over from Amazon sellers to true business owners. A hundred percent. So I think um, 2023 was a time of imbalance for me and Jamie picked up and continues to pick up a lot of 
like the slack around the house. Um, I would not be able to do what I do without like my right hand person uh, taking care of everything. Like she, um, you know, carried quite a bit of weight in that aspect. And so um, being very clear with her that we went through that imbalance and then saying, okay, I have a firm footing. You know, I understand Amazon. I understand what I want this to look like going forward. And one of the goals that we set out would be more time for family, more time for, you know, maybe a vacation. Like we didn't take any non-work vacations last year. Um, mm-hmm. av- like after I started, it was just all Amazon. So uh, being very clear with her that my intention is to begin to offload some of the um, you know, responsibilities that I have onto our virtual team um, is something that I, I really am focusing on right now. Um, I think that'll probably be what the first month, month and a half of the year looks like is creating SOPs that then can be not only created by me, but then created by our team. Uh, so I don't have to be constantly updating this. I want to create an environment where folks are comfortable defining some of the processes by themselves, but then documenting all of it. So then if something happens, if we add another team member, we can just keep clipping and it doesn't require me to know every detail about that process. I'm happy to create the foundation, but I know that you have done a nice job of, you know, leveraging virtual talent. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit of what that journey's looked like for you or a little further than I am? Um, And then we can kind of go off that. Yeah, sure. So um, like many business owners in the Amazon community that have uh, virtual talent to to supplement their operation, um, we we have on our team right now, um, I have a, it does primarily all administrative related work for one. And then we also have a, you know, a sourcing uh, that go through some of the wholesale catalog. So now that journey last year, probably started a little early in the process. If I was going to go back and redo it, a lesson learned from that is I would have waited a little bit longer. Um, did about, it was probably about three or four months into the journey where hired uh, first VA or first virtual talent for it. And we started with sourcing. Now, I think that those are the, what I've learned from that is that's the crown jewels, right? Learning the sourcing aspects of things and being able to keep that uh, that's probably one of the one of the later steps that I would if I would redo it, I would I would go through and say, hey, I'm going to wait for sourcing last um, and focus primarily on the administrative tasks, because those are the those are the low return on investment activities. And they're great items that you can you can start with teaching because they're generally items that are task driven that you can you can isolate and you can use them in different in different areas. So. Um, from an SOP perspective, Loom's been super critical for that, being able to do quick hit Loom videos and then supplement it with um, some documented learning. So there's different stages of how adults like to learn. Uh, there's formal learning, which is your books, your things that you did through school. There's group learning, which is going to be more where you're doing you know, webinar driven items or you're in an event or a mastermind group. And then your peer learning or in pro, in software development, we call it pair programming. It's literally where you have a senior member of the team partnered with a with a more junior member uh, of the team. And then finally is your ad hoc, which is your question. So that philosophy of learning 
is exactly what I'm starting to implement in my business, which is you have your formal SOPs. Um, if I was going to redo them today instead of Confluence, I would do them in Notion. Notion is a great, a great tool. Um, you can pair it with super.so, which is a web-based portal. If you want to give a, 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 like a website type experience for your team, um, I would utilize for the group setting, either Discord or Slack or uh, Facebook Messenger. There's, there's plenty to choose there, but it creates that, that opportunity for everyone to kind of have open dialogue and get to know each other. And then, you know, Zoom calls for your, your pair programming or your, you know, your one-on-one -on -one assistance for that. So, that's, that's how we set them up. Um, we've broken them into different sections. So section for sourcing, having different key performance indicators uh, around, you know, what, what is expected as a sourcing virtual assistant or virtual talent in, uh, and then the other section was the, was the business or the admin tasks. And those were where I started putting looms around all the different items that you would do for returns, uh, being able to have a spreadsheet for leakage. That's, that's a big yeah. That's a big metric for this year is um, going through and making sure, you know, I'm sure we, I know we have leakage in the business from last year, making sure to remove some of those items and identify it as we go into this year. Yeah, I think it, so it's, it's, we started uh, our team sourcing and the reason we, we picked that was because we felt that that would allow us to teach the fundamentals. They understand all of the data that really, you know, drives the business. Um, and that's going to take time. There's a bunch of acronyms. It's going to take a month or two for them to pick up on that. Um, but then it also gave us a window to create trust in that, okay, you know, we know you, we're you know comfortable with you. Now we're going to start kind of peeling it back a little bit, you know, letting you see what's behind the scenes. Um, and I feel like that worked pretty well for us. Um, I am a little bit jealous of the position you're in now that, you know, you have all of that in place. And so then you can just start running in January, whereas we're kind of clawing to get that in place and, um, you know, working through the, uh, emotional journey and the education journey around delegating. It's actually a super, um, underappreciated skill of delegating and doing it well. Um, and uh, Gary V talks about it a little bit, but um, none of your employees are going to give a shit about your business like you are. So you have to accept that. And you have to accept that, you know, if, if they do something that's 60% right, it's better than you doing it yourself. And then you train, it's your responsibility to improve that metric and improve that percentage. Um, so something that we're working through, but yeah. Yeah. I think another one is questioning, right? So as you, as you're going through and, and, and this is an item that I have actually on my punch list to, to work through for this year as well is last year spent a lot of time of, of providing the instruction. This is how you do insert whatever the task is moving away from that model. And, and you mentioned that Pete, right? Like you want to get into a position where you're taking yourself out of the day-to-day -day and empowering your team to be able to make the decisions to design what those SOPs look like. Yep. The, the best way to do that in our corporate world is to ask really good questions that allow the team that you're overseeing or you're working with to come up with creative solutions. It's no different in running our own businesses. And I, I think that might have been a, a miss 
or learning moment for me last year that to bring into this year is these skills. If, if you have a nine to five right now and you're, you're utilizing like that is a skill you have professional presence or you've established those types of environments that you can bring in as a business owner of how to ask good questions, how to motivate a team, uh, how to delegate. So if you've done any of those in your roles, hundred percent bring that into the equation. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I, I tweeted about it the other day. Like you see a lot of the younger kids, I would say, are just really disenfranchised with the nine to five. There's a lot of, you know, hate on it, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, these are kind of models for what you may want to become. Now, you may want more control over what the culture and the identity of your business looks like. Um, and that's going to be very important. But they're roadmaps to where you want to be. Like These are not, you know, unsophisticated organizations they're they're picking solutions um because they're thinking about their problems at scale and that is something that a lot of folks that are just starting in six months to a year you're gonna have to start thinking about so you know prepare yourself for that moment because there there is there are lessons in in those details yeah 100 yeah, um all right so we'll clap there uh so we'll cut and so, yeah, we'll just we'll just go into the, the second portion. Okay. Um, so a lot of people, uh, you know, at least on Twitter, what have you, um, they really talk firmly about leaving that nine to five. Um, you know, we've talked privately about this. Um, and, you know, that was actually my intention when I started was, you know, I want to go do my own thing. Um, I've since kind of come off that. Um, but. Curious to see kind of what you you feel people should be doing to position themselves for that moment um, and what they can do to position themselves like really, really well. Yeah, I think so. I had a similar type viewpoint on that as you as well, Repeat, right? We talked about these and like, hey, what it, what is that? What does that path, the glide path into to having your own business? And the biggest lesson I learned with that is learning your numbers. So before you're able to make that decision, you have to know you have to know your numbers inside and out. And that that starts from a tactical perspective of bookkeeping, right? Take your existing business that you have there. Do you know your month to month numbers? Do you know your P&Ls? Do you know your cash flow? Do you have do you have that fundamental knowledge of what's going on in your business? So before you could make a decision of that now, this it's going to be very much person specific, family specific on what that decision point is going to be. So for for my family, it's going to be, hey, do, are we in a position where we are, you know, comfortable where we're where we're going to be? We have a rainy day fund that's there. Are there other opportunities if we needed to be able to have fallback options? And that that's that's my, you know, in my humble opinion, a viewpoint of doing it with, with having a family to support. So like, if you, if you're not in that type of situation, you can take a lot more risk on it. Now, the beauty of also having those additional income streams is in your, in your moonlighting, not your moonlighting business as an entrepreneur, you can take on a little bit more risk. No. in that, that regard they're, they're separate right they're separate entities my my personal versus my business account and to that actually was something that was a saving grace late last year with the with the section three suspension that no. was a 
that was like 45 days, 45 days of, of not having access to assets, right. having credit cards and liabilities that are, that were coming, that are coming due. So think through all of these, do you have platform risk? Do you have a, a rainy day fund or a nest egg that occur and evaluate risk, not on the probability of occurring. Oh, that's, that's an unlikely thing. That's not going to happen to me. Right. Wrong question to ask. The question is, if it happened, would you survive it? Like right. it might be a, it might be a, you could get struck by lightning type of chance, but if right. it occurred, would you survive it? And right. if the answer to that question is no, at least have a contingency play to, to address it, like some sort of insurance, a policy, whatever that may be to, to be able to do it. And I, I think that's where, where I'm coming from is what, when is the right time? I feel like that's going to be something that's going to be an intuition play at that point. You'll have all the data driven that says, Hey, this is, this makes sense. And then it's an intuition on like, all right, it's, it's time to move on to the next milestone. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, um, you know, since starting, like our lifestyle hasn't really changed at all. That would be a, a tidbit that I would throw in is that when you're, especially if you're only doing the business, there is no room for lifestyle, you know, enhancement for until you are like really far, far down your journey. I think you should be focused on continuing to grow those skills. Um, and I mean, you're a great example. You didn't do anything wrong, but Amazon was kind of kicking the tree to see what would fall out. And like, that was, you know, a very difficult time to navigate because there's a lot of uncertainty and a huge amount of money is waiting there for you to beat that case. Um, you know, and so having going in with that knowledge and, you know, there, I, I do think that for the folks that are really just starting, they don't know what they don't know. So maybe there's not enough fear of, you know, making sure that you're just doing the right things that you have the systems in place so that if you do get some sort of account strike, you're ready for it. You should mm -hmm. see, you know, go through a year, go through a year and a half. So you really have seen a full cycle before you're, you know, taking on this tremendous risk, especially if you have like a really good nine to five income that also provides flexibility. Because I think that that is, it kind of leads into another point of like, you know, what sort of folks are at, are going to be successful balancing a nine to five and a side business. And I'm curious to hear what you have to kind of think about that. Yeah. So for that one, the skill sets are interchangeable in certain regards. There's a lot of things that, I, that I, I'm doing within my business at night that directly translate and benefit the nine to five work as well. Right. So there's as long as you're able to essentially keep them as two separate entities, not mixing the two from a time commitment perspective, the, the lessons learned and the education from both, they, they both help each other. Oh, it's not great. like it's mutually, mutually exclusive. Yep. Presentation skills from the day can translate into doing content at night. The new technology or the ways of thinking that you're doing at night can be applied during the day. So yep. position it, it's, it's all in positioning, right? So as long as there's nothing that's a conflict of interest between the two, utilize that, be your authentic self and bring it into your day job. And I think that provides a balance to say, hey, in your professional world, you don't have to just be 
one skill, one trick that you do, you can have other things that you're good at as well. And I, I think that's, that's from an extended period perspective. If you're thinking through, like, I'm not really ready to make the move to, to single income with that, to be my own business owner, that's all right. Like, you can, you can go in both arenas for a while before you get to a point where, like, all right, I'm ready for the next milestone. Yeah, 100%. I do think that um, my experience on, you know, within the Amazon Twitter community and then also just, like, being with the group of guys that we, we talk to on a daily basis has really um, sharpened definitely my management skills, because I got to make sure that everybody's well behaved. But, um, you know, just seeing this younger perspective, which is very hungry, which views the world very differently than I think we were brought up to, um, just because they have had more exposure to the internet is very interesting. Because um, they're they're all gas, no brakes. And that that's pretty refreshing uh, to watch them navigate and, um, them kind of experience their early twenties in a very different way than I did because the world has changed so much. I'd actually like to hear a little bit more of some of those examples from you because I have some in my head and I, I'd love to hear, see if the perspective is the same. What, yeah. what have you learned from working with our mastermind group and, and peers that you either use in your personal or professional life as well? So I think the biggest thing for me is the the speed in which they navigate situations so you know when you're on the outside looking in at internet money you're like oh that's that's bs that doesn't exist but then you see the 18 year old that just did it in four weeks like so watching them i saw this tweet recently it was like there's an you know it's the ability to just shut up and go and do as you're told when somebody presents an opportunity is elite an elite skill so like um, watching them just go from A to B very quickly and not really question as much mm -hmm. is something that I think that like our generation doesn't, or maybe isn't as comfortable doing. So that, that's definitely a, a prime example. What about you? I would say the, the way that the, our younger peers have the ability to learn, right? So for us, yeah, YouTube was around and those are items that were there, but it, we went through traditional schooling, right? Traditional yep. schooling has an agenda. It has a curriculum that you go through. You, you don't have to spend as much time going through all these things that you don't necessarily need or, or are passionate in. And YouTube provides that, that as a vehicle for, for learning, a podcast, Audible. You, there's so many opportunities now to be able to define or to create a skill and then take immediate action on it. So mm -hmm. that, that's the biggest thing for me is it's it's a it's a perspective that's not uh, that isn't opinionated toward a certain direction. It's just here's what it is. Here's why I learned it, and I went and I implemented it. So that yeah. that's been super refreshing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I I don't think that I appreciated YouTube enough, um, and not that I didn't use it, but I was probably using it for like how do I fix this thing around the house. Now it's how do I go learn a skill really quickly so that I can replicate it and put it in my business? I don't need to go to a four-year university to learn it. Um, you know, I just need this exact bit of information and then I can, I can leverage it pretty quickly. So a hundred percent, I agree with that. Is there anything else that like has impressed you? I'm, I'm trying to think of other, other things that they do really, really well. 
communication. I, I would say that's that's a that's a, a big item. Hopping on a FaceTime, being able to to yeah. send a text message over, not afraid to get on a call. So I, I think that that's been a, a a key a key piece as well. Is it's just how quickly you can iterate on information. Yeah, if I would, I would sum it up. It's it's that there's no second guessing or thinking. Am am I going to get in trouble for this? It's very much a go do it and ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> and yeah. That's such a great way to approach things because most of the times, if you're going for, let me ask for permission, the opportunity's already gone there. So turning that on yep. the script and just saying, I'm doing this. If it was the wrong decision, I'll learn from that. And now I know not to make that, <laughs> make that decision again. Yep. That, so that is, that is something that I needed to learn when I first met like our, our group was to like, you know, I think that, like folks our age, like maybe we're a little bit more conservative with like how they approach things, but mm -hmm. understanding and giving them a lot more like leeway has been something that I've had to adjust to. And I think that they've actually opened me up a little bit to being like, you can, you know, you don't have to be this rigid because that's like how our, my, my parents were at least. They're a little bit more rigid. They're like very by the book and you don't, oh, like you can have fun. It, it's okay if you have fun. Um, so I really, that's really, um, that's fun to be around. Um, they keep it lively for sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so, I mean, we're probably good to wrap. Yeah, I think we hit on everything. Is there an, let's see, would we want to outro into what we're thinking for next, for next week? We'll just say that you're, I mean, I haven't thought about next week. Yeah. Um, we could nerd out on some tech stuff at some point. That would be good. Um, and then we'll, I'll, I'll idea some, some, you know, topics like over the next week or so I can, I can get them together pretty quick, but I'll, I'll just outro it. Um, well, Nick, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. I think this will be a fun segment. Um, hit an audience that probably doesn't get a lot of attention on, you know, the, the Amazon Twitter space. Um, but really appreciate you coming on. And, um, you know, wh where can people find you at before we wrap? Yeah. So uh, Nick's, Nick Spizak underscore on all platforms. Uh, we're on right now. Uh, Twitter as the primary Instagram and just started a, a TikTok. So we're, 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 we're trying to learn in that space as well. Yep. Yep. We're, we're, we're making you learn. We're making you learn. It's, you've been quick to learn though. I will say that like you're, you're, you're coming up fast. So um, everybody that listened, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, and we'll see you next time.